Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Breakpoint Podcast, starring myself, Frankie. And Marcus. And today, we are going to be wrapping up Indian Wells. Tournament just finished yesterday as of recording. Taylor Fritz is the champion of Indian Wells. Pretty unbelievable to say those words. I would not have placed that wager at the start of this tournament, that's for sure. But he played absolutely outstanding. That final was amazing, where he triumphed over Rafael Nadal. And on the women's side, just to shout those out, uh, Iga Sriantek beat uh, Maria Sakari, who had a great tournament in the run-up. And Iga captures really like her first big tournament on a hard court so good for Iga uh congratulations to her and congratulations to Taylor Fritz the Southern California native the first American to win Indian Wells since Andre Agassi in 2001 so Marcus give us a full rundown on that final what did you take away what did you think uh yeah give it to us yeah I want to briefly discuss I actually watched a little bit of the Iga Svechek um Sakari match. Svaichek really, really good. Like was driving Sakari absolutely nuts. And I'm a big fan of Svaichek. She's really cool on court. Uh, she's got a nice style of play. Um, really impressed by her. Also impressed by Sakari. How damn she can rip the ball. Unbelievable. I never actually watched her play that much. So really happy that the women's game is going in that direction. Kind of the post uh, Serena Venus sort of era. Yeah, um, I would. I would just the the quick interjection on the women's side. Uh, I think this is going to be a very nice little golden age for women's tennis because I think aesthetically, just from like a you know a viewership standpoint, I think Iga, Maria Sakari, um, Ash Barty, the three of these women are tremendous players, and they are really really nice to watch. They play a great play style all around. Not like you know how we've seen some of the the women's game in the previous few years in the Serena era, where it's just been a lot of like, let's just whack the ball as hard as we can, because that's kind of what Serena did. But like, they're not trying to be like Serena. These three girls, they're, they're, they're really developing their own all around play styles that I think is going to be really beneficial for the women's game in the long run. So super happy to see that it was a great final. And like you said, Iga was dynamite. She can rip that ball. So uh, yeah, very the the women's side I think arguably was better than the men's. Yeah, last point on that. I think that's why Osaka's also having some troubles because she doesn't have that variety like these other girls are having. She's kind of playing that Serena style where she can really crack the ball, but girls are starting to figure out how to take that down. Um, you know, with like some variety slices, high balls, low balls, and all that sort. So yeah, really excited for that. Uh, the men's final was absolutely tremendous. Was not expecting that good of a final. First of all, we didn't even know if he would have a final. Uh, in case you didn't know. Uh, Taylor Fritz basically almost it looked like he almost broke his ankle in pre-match warm-ups. Uh, he, he looked like he could barely walk. I don't even know. He must have, They must have given him some pretty good painkillers, and adrenaline must have been flowing really well through his body because after about, I'm going to say, the f- fourth or fifth game, he started like he looked like he could actually move like normally again. The first few games, you could tell he was really hobbling on it, but he must have fought through that pain really well. Um, he came out firing. He just came out with a game plan and said, you know what, I'm not getting into long points. I'm taking the ball inside the court. I'm not dealing with any of this, uh, you know, what usually Nadal kind of baits you into doing kind of. And, um, yeah, he, he took the first set. Interesting second set there, Frank. He had a match point after a crazy 30-all point. Nadal saves it. And I was thinking to myself, oh, man, this is going to be one of those things where Nadal, you know, saves a match point, going to win the set, maybe win the match. 
Uh, Fritz did a really good job of staying in there, staying really tough and taking those early points in that tie break that really changed everything. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Nadal also played as best honestly as he could. He seemed like he was toast physically. He's had a rough year. I mean, 20 matches win, you know, 20 wins in a row. That takes a lot out of him. He's not used to actually playing that much, especially then on a hard court. I know he had a little shoulder, you know, chest problem, and he also had a foot problem from earlier in the week. So he really gave it his all as we always uh, should admire and we're going to be very grateful um, that we got to see him play when he retires because there's no one else on the planet earth that fights like him so yeah overall i was really impressed with the final frank uh southern california guy winning it first american in 20 years pretty impressive what are your thoughts yeah i'm with you i think taylor fritz did something that not a lot of other people have done against nadal simply which is a win and b to be able to withstand the pressure that comes with that Nadal comeback, that inevitable Nadal comeback. In that second set, I think Taylor Fritz had two games where he was like 15-40 down, and he saved like every one of them. I think Nadal ended up being like two for nine on break point opportunities, which is really, really bad by Nadal's standards. And Fritz just just had it going. And, and there were so many different times during the match where you thought like, okay, Fritz is going to break now and Nadal's going to get him. And like, that's going to be it. And Fritz just like bended, but didn't break. Right. Like even at the end of that first set, Fritz is up a double break. He drops the break, drops one break to Nadal. And then Fritz breaks him right back to win the set. Uh, I think that showed really incredible tenacity and, and strong mental fortitude from Fritz. Uh, the only reason why I was getting a little bit nervy throughout that match is in the second set, I noticed Fritz hit the ball in no man's land, which for those of you who don't know, no man's land is the place that's in between the baseline and the service line or, you know, approaching net, whatever. And there were so many times where Fritz would hit a ball there and then just immediately back up. Like he was not charging the net to try to finish points. He was really just going right back. Um, and I think that's because he got passed by Nadal like once or twice. And then he just decided like, you know what, if I'm going down, I'm going down from the baseline, <laughs> which usually is not a good strategy against Nadal. But in this case, it ended up working. So whatever. But for me, the one point that changed the whole match by a very large margin was at 5-4 in the tiebreak. Uh, Fritz, I think Fritz was up 5-4 in the tiebreak. He just kind of like long baseline rally. Fritz just like barely dinks the ball on his backhand side, like up to Nadal. Nadal takes the ball out of the air on a swinging volley inside out the forehand and he misses. Just goes for way too much, way too close to the line, misses the ball. And at that point, I think we all knew Fritz was going to be able to pull this pull this one out. Yeah, I remember that shot. That was a very rare Nadal kind of brain fart. He probably should have let that one bounce. Now, keep in mind, Frank, that second set also got super interesting because it also the wind picked up tremendously. That first set was relatively clean, no wind. But at Indian Wells, as we know, the wind can pick up uh, pretty quick. And that made for a very interesting second set. You can kind of tell. I think that's kind of why Fritz was playing a little bit more careful than he was in the first set because he couldn't really just come in uh, comfortably on his approach shots. And, you know, Nadal basically likes wind, actually, because he plays with a lot of spin and he can also flatten out when the wind's against him. So, uh, yeah, man, kudos to Taylor Fritz. That was a very, very impressive win from him yesterday. Um, you know, I, I think that it, it's nice to see him really succeed on this level. And I think that 
he is someone who we can maybe put in slam conversation. Oh, maybe, maybe you, I think a Wimbledon. Maybe I think, if you can I think pull you it can. off, I, don't I think know. you can. The, to 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 have the mental fortitude to win Indian Wells over Rafael Nadal after Nadal has not lost all season. Yeah, I you you have to. Fritz has a really nice all round game. He's going to be up to thirteen in the world now. Uh, he's got a really well developed game. Like he's got a, his backhand's better than his forehand is. Um, great serve. He clearly needs some work on his net play, but I think Fritz, yeah, why not? Like, like honestly, why not? Um, you know, we talk about FAA and the discussion of like, oh yeah, like he should be able to make a run at a slam or do something soon. But like, you think FAA wins that match yesterday? Not a shot in hell. So, you know, you got it. You got to give it to Fritz. It's the clutch factor and the belief that you can beat the big four, big three, uh, that really makes the difference in those grand slam matches. Granted, winning three sets is very different than winning two sets against these guys, but still, big-time tournament, arguably the fifth biggest tournament of the year, and Fritz won it. So good for him. I'm happy for him. Um, I think he is the type of tennis player that American kids need to like look at and say, like, that's the guy I need to model my game around. Just because for too long we've had like big serve, big forehand, doesn't know how to hit a backhand. Um, and Fritz is very much not that. So very happy that that's the guy that that made that breakthrough. So now we're going to talk about sort of the rest of Indian Wells, a little bit of a you know a wrap up of it. Uh, for me, my my biggest storyline outside of Fritz is Carlos Alcaraz. I think this was the 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 first really big tournament where Alcaraz sort of proved that a he is the next guy. Anyone who thought otherwise, you know, you can go kick rocks. And b uh, not only is this guy the next big guy, uh, he's kind of the guy like now, like this guy is yeah. going to be a threat at Masters 1000s for the rest of the season. I was going to say he has arrived. He just won a 500 tour level of it. Now, albeit it is in Brazil on clay, makes the semifinals of Indian Wells. He's looking extremely dangerous for this clay season. And actually, for that matter, Frank, I would like to, I'm very curious to see how he does in Miami with a little bit of a, a weaker field. Um, due to those tournaments being so close back to back, I think he's got a shot at winning Miami. I mean, he's got a shot at basically any tournament he's in at this point, maybe besides, you know, Wimbledon and maybe the later hardcourt season. I wouldn't give it to him yet. But hey, this clay season and this Miami tournament, he's he's a favorite, man. He he's matured so much on court. He's starting to tone down his hyper aggressiveness, starting to really control himself, especially in crucial moments. I mean, it's just scary when that guy is like locked in mentally. It's 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 freaky. Yeah, no, I mean, he's just got such an overpowering game, I think, compared to pretty much anyone in the world uh, at this point that it, he's just such a threat. I mean, normally when guys have that much power like he does, they're not quick. But this guy is like the second fastest player on tour and he can just bludgeon the ball with like Thor's hammer. So it's it's really incredible to watch. I, I would have loved to have seen uh, him play Yannick Sinner or something like that, but Sinner actually had to pull out because of an injury. So a little bit of a shame there, but uh, yeah, I, I think Alcaraz, Alcaraz for me was takeaway number two. Uh, takeaway number three, I'm skipping my order a little bit here, uh, is Nick Kyrgios is back, baby. Let's go. That guy looked awesome. And he arguably should have like, I, you know, I don't want to say should have beaten Nadal, but like 
he was right there, you know, in contention to beat Nadal and certainly almost did and pushed him as hard as Alcaraz did. So, yeah, Nick Kyrgios looks like he's coming back. I'm going to pump the brake on that. This is classic Nick Kyrgios. It's L.A. It's kind of like Hollywood out there in Cali. He comes out. It's showtime. Maybe he'll go showtime in Miami, too. And then he'll at some point just go back to being Nick and throw a tantrum and just lose a bunch of first round matches. I'm not buying this. Talk to me when Nick Kyrgios is back for like eight tournaments in a row. Then I'll then I'll talk. But I'm not buying it. All right. All right. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, You can just continue to be in your negative Nancy mood then, Marcus. Uh, next takeaway we have classic. <laughs> what? Mom, What's your you know, you, you know, it's, you know, it's true. <laughs> I know you're right. I know yeah, you're right. Like, you, you, are know right. It's true. you are right. You are right. You are right. This guy needs to do it for, he needs to no, do it for a few more tournaments in a row and then we'll, we'll have this discussion. Yeah. And listen, there's nobody who wants this guy to actually like win tennis matches more than me. This guy is so important for the game that he needs to put on efforts like this kind of at least semi-regularly. We shouldn't have to see this just once a year. It's a shame. Yeah. No, you are right. Very, very valid point. Very valid point. Speaking of a shame, um, Medvedev and FAA, what an absolute like horror show of a performance from those two. Can you wait? Hold on. Can you remind me who FAA FAA lost to? I don't even remember. I got to look it up. So you can you can you I'll look it up. You keep talking. Here we go. No, you 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 talk. I'll look it up. Let's reverse roles for once. Variety is the spice of life. (laughs) Right. Oh my god! Oh man, I want to say something. I'm not going to. Um, wow, wow, wow! Brandon Van de in the yeah, yeah, what? that's right, the Dutch guy. Oh, that's oh, that's hilarious. Good yeah. lord! Yeah, yeah, FAA's got a shot at winning this tournament. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. that was a t- that's a tough yeah. one for for me to look yeah, back if, on. If if our listeners, if you're looking to like bet on tennis matches, do not listen to Frank and I. We here's thought- the thing. No, but here's the thing: <laughs> is at the end of the tournament, I seemingly do well. Right. But it's the calls that I make at the beginning of the tournament, like that random one where I'm just like, oh, you know, Kokonakis is going to beat Nadal. <laughs> oh, good <laughs> or, Lord. Well, that was just, I mean, you that was a dart. smoked I, something I, before that. Yeah. I acknowledge that was a dart before I said it. But like this one, like by all accounts, FAA should have had a great tournament, was on a tear, bombs out. Like, just come on. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> Like that, that, see, that's the problem that I have with like this kind of newer generation and like people hype him up, especially like him specifically, but also just in general, this new generation is it's like, you know, like I, listen, I understand that we were used to kind of a, a consistency standard with Novak, uh, you know, Fed and Nadal, but even before that, I feel like, like, you know, Agassi, Sampras, even like, you know, the, okay, Murat Safin, I'm not going to include him, but like other guys, like, I just feel like they wouldn't, like, that just wouldn't happen. Is it, is it me or no, like just no, like, it wouldn't. things it like would, this would happen? It wouldn't happen. No, these guys are, are very inconsistent, which, listen, I would say that's a, f- a, a function of two things. One, they're less consistent than the older guys. And two, I think generally the competition has increased. I think the 90th best player in the world is much closer to the number one ranked player in the world today than 30 years ago. I think that's also a very valid yeah, that's like, a fair thing point. to say. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, you know what? That's that's a very fair point. And now the second disappointment. And you know what? I'm not even uh, this one. I'm not really like that disappointed about because, first of all, I, I love Guy Monfi. I think he's a 
he, the fact that he's still playing this good at this age, considering his style of play, outrageous. Monfi um, played the match of his life. Let's yeah, be clear. He played the match of his life. The Daniil Medvedev is, you know, I, I'm going to say I feel for the guy because he's got a lot of crap going on with this whole Russia mm-hmm. thing. And, you know, he's basically being told you need to, you know, denounce Putin in order to play Wimbledon. I mean, they're kind of asking a lot of him. I think that he's dealing with a lot, especially kind of on the international stage. He doesn't know whether he'll not he'll keep these sponsorships and whatnot. So, you know, family back home, maybe they don't. You know, I have no idea what's going on there. So he's so probably got you, a lot going on through his head. So you don't think that this is like a larger problem of oh, Daniil is not as dominant on hard courts as we initially thought. Good like Lord, you, you no. Think, no, no, you no. You think no. that this is just a, a lightning in a bottle, like isolated incident. He's going to be just fine. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, that's a legitimate question. I mean, he he's lo- he lost to Nadal in, in Acapulco. He he lost uh, here to, uh, to Monfi, like, you know, it's a legitimate question for a guy who I think we all thought would basically win any hardcore tournament that he entered. Um, yeah, I'm not going to hit the panic button yet because this is basically the first guy that he's lost to on hardcore outside of Nadal in a very long time. Like, really, the only yeah. people who he's losing... Okay, he lost to Zverev at uh, at the World that Tour Finals. That doesn't count. is a top three player in the world. Right. So that's what I'm saying. Like, this is like kind of like the first aberration-ish. And I mean, listen, Monfi is also one of those guys, like, if he's on, he's on. He's beating anybody. So... Yeah. Very not... similar Very similar to Kyrgios. If he's on, good luck. You know, has the talent to beat anyone. Right, yeah. So I'm not concerned about that. Coupled with the whole Russia thing going on, uh, I'm... I'm not really concerned about that. I hope he can turn it around in Miami because that's basically his last opportunity for some serious points for a long time until the grass season. Um, yeah, I'm horrible. On uh, I'm with you. I don't hit the panic button yet. I think if he loses, I think if he doesn't get to at least the semifinal in Miami, I think then I hit the panic button, to be honest, or like I'm at least like my hands on it. Um, just because he's then about to head into clay court season where he's just going to get annihilated quite honestly uh and then i think he could be in a little bit of a pickle um but but generally i agree with you i don't i don't think this is full scale panic yet uh so the last thing i want to do here to wrap up the uh to wrap up this episode is talk about miami a little bit uh marcus just brought it up miami this is part of the sunshine swing one uh we just finished indian wells so now we're gonna head to miami for another huge masters 1000 event uh marcus Give us a rundown. Who do you think is going to be in the runnings to win that? Nadal will not be playing, so neither will Djokovic. So a little bit of a pretty open field. Um, I'm definitely looking at a Carlos Alcaraz. I think that he can make a run again. I don't see why not. Uh, I think, I mean, I would like to hope that, you know, Zverev would act like a top four player and make it to a semifinal. Wouldn't that be, <laughs> wouldn't that be nice? Um, I'd also like to see is... What happened to Mateo this tournament? Uh, Mateo got lost in the quarters, I think, or round of 16. Uh, it was a legitimate loss, if I'm remembering right. I think it was like an okay loss. Uh, I'll, yeah, I'll double I check would... that while Marcus is uh, talking. Here, here it is. Miramar Kasvanovic, round of 16. Yeah, you know what? I, I mean, I'd like to see him also Kasvanovic do well. Kasvanovic is a very solid player. He like randomly upsets people all the time, so that's that's fine. And also, Mateo is still dealing with that like ab injury. I was actually surprised that he even played Indian Wells. He was like 50-50 to even play, so 
Uh, actually, I think fourth round's probably a pretty decent result for him. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go with basically kind of the, the usual crowd. Daniil, Zverev, um, Tsitsipas uh, is, is in the mix. You know, someone like a, a, a Rublev is always kind of in the mix-ish. You know, I think I think that Miami would be a little bit better for Rublev. The courts are a little bit quicker there than Indian Wells. They're a little bit gritty. Yeah, so for, so for me, I was actually going to highlight Rublev. Rublev made semifinals of Indian Wells, so really nice. He had a really nice tournament. Um, it seems like this guy's back, you know, he's, he's got his confidence back, which is great. So I think Rublev's definitely a contender. Uh, Daniil will obviously be right there. Uh, but I, I actually agree with Marcus. I think, eh, you know what? I actually, I, I'm so you know, afraid I wanna, to make a I prediction wanna, because no, I know that I'm going to be wrong. Like, I want to no, I want to agree with you, but here's my thing that I feel like I always do. And, and I'm trying to not do it is a player comes off like a really high point, right? Like Alcaraz is coming off a really high point of getting to the semifinals of Indian Wells. I don't know how I feel about him just continuing to go on this tear uh, at Miami. Like my gut says like this guy's, I don't know who's going to beat him, but like my mind is saying, you know, he's 18 years old, going to be playing now back to back tournaments. That's, that's a lot to ask. So yeah, I, I mean, listen, I think I think Alcaraz has to be in the top five players that you if you're going to pick players, if you're going to pick five people who have a chance of winning Miami, Alcaraz has to be there. Rublev has to be there. Uh, Daniil has to be there. And then I think outside of those three, I think it gets very murky, quite honestly. Yeah, I guess it gets like ra- really starts to get yeah, honestly for me, like Miami is such a crapshoot at this point because I have no idea who's going to do what on what day. Right. I mean, Sitsipas all of a sudden, you know, like shows up and he'll, he can, I mean, he can either win the tournament or he can lose first round. I got no I idea what he's going to do. won this last year. So, right. I mean, like her cash sinners, sinners the final. So, I yeah. mean, you got to put him in there. Sure. Yeah, he's also, he's also coming off of illness, but uh, yeah, he's freaking you know, injured, ill, whatever. So it's like, you don't even know. Yeah. You don't even know. It, it, it's, it's a, a it's a complete crapshoot, honestly. I, I mean, maybe we should just put a bunch of names in a hat and just pick one out and be like, oh, they're winning Miami, and just put a thousand bucks on DraftKings. Yeah, and, I mean, you know what I mean. I'm like, just gonna, no I'm idea. gonna do, I'm gonna do my usual like hard court tournament mantra, which is uh, I'm gonna pick Daniil and hope for the best because like that strategy has worked out pretty well. So I'll go with Daniil. I don't know, but like I'll go with Daniil? Question mark. I have no idea though. This is a this this tournament's gonna be a really like talk about Wild West. This tournament's gonna be the Wild West. Yeah, for sure. I I can't put my money on anybody really. I mean, again, these guys either they decide to lose for I mean they lose the fucking sorry, Brand Brandon Vandal Vandal Zandal Shoop or you know, they'll win it easy. I mean I have no idea. So Yeah. Well, uh because Marcus is going to be cursed this time rather than myself. Congratulations to Nick Kyrgios on winning the 2022 Miami Masters. If that happens, wow, what a moment this this point in the podcast is going do, to be. Do we have a Bernard Tomic sighting in Miami? Hold on. No. Enough Please. with the Bernard Tom. All right. You know what? You do your whatever. I'm going to wrap up the episode now. <laughs> <laughs> Enough. Um, Bernard Tomic is probably playing some challenger event in like Kazakhstan right now. But uh, anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. We have some exciting content coming up 
uh, within the next few weeks. We're going to be starting our U.S. Open, or not our U.S. Open, our U.S. Tennis Series, um, which we're really excited about. It's been a few weeks in the making here, so we're, we're really happy to share that with you guys, and we think you'll like it. Um, <clears throat> as always, if you want to appear on the podcast, you want to talk to us, feel free to DM us on Instagram. I know a few of you have actually started doing that, so that's really great. We appreciate it, as always. And, uh, oh, you can also send us a message via Carrier Pigeon, of course, to the Long Island Railroad uh, United States Postal Service right by the Broadway station. Highly uh, recommended. Highly it recommended. Is, yeah, we've got our three pigeons trained. They're ready to go. So, uh, you know, just just let us know. Uh, uh, I will see you guys next time. Thanks for listening. And uh, bye, Emma. Take it easy.